Carey. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. This is episode 26, and we're going to talk about things we grieve, what loss is, and what kinds of things we grieve for. I'm so glad we're walking the path towards healing together. So just a quick reminder, I am not a clinician, counselor, or physician. I'm a certified trauma and resiliency life coach, a certified trauma support specialist, and someone with lots of lived experience with trauma. Also, the information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and not meant to replace treatment by a doctor or any other licensed professional. Also, another quick note, we are going to be talking about aspects of grief and death. And so if this is a sensitive subject for you, please stop, take some deep breaths, practice a coping skill, something you've learned in our time together or something you like to use and come back to the episode when you're ready. All right. Let's dive in. In last week's episode, we talked about the process of acceptance and letting go. You know, wanting those answers as to why people in our lives hurt us and did the things to us that they did. And we also discussed why we most likely won't get those answers and how to accept and then release ourselves from that all-consuming need. So this week, I thought it made sense to move into grieving. Often, when we release or let go of something we feel like we need, we grieve that. It's a loss. Grieving isn't just something we do when we lose someone we love. We can grieve so many things. We don't even realize what loss really means to us. So. The definition of grief as defined in the Oxford Dictionary is deep sorrow, especially that caused from someone's death. Well, that's self-explanatory. It makes sense. But if you search further for the meaning, you find descriptions such as it is a natural response to loss. It's the emotional, mental, physical pain of losing something or someone you love. So let's look at the types of some things you can lose and feel grief over. You can lose a relationship to break up or divorce. You can lose your health, a job, financial stability, a pregnancy, a pet, a friendship or community connection. You can grieve events that happen in other parts of the world, wars, famines, natural disasters, mass shootings the extinction or near extinction of a species. You can lose a dream or an idea you had. You can lose your sense of safety after trauma. Moving, selling a home, or losing a home can cause grief. Life changes can cause grief too. Whatever you grieve, it is very personal, and how it affects you is particular to you and you only. Any loss that you experience, no matter what it is, 
will cause feelings of grief. Feeling grief is also a very individual and personal experience. You may feel sadness or you may not. You may feel deep-seated anguish and pain or you may feel nothing. You might be shocked, numb, disconnected. You might push whatever feelings you have down so far that you don't think things, feel things, react. You might be angry. Or you might take to your bed, feeling frozen, unable to move, think, or react. Grief for me has taken so many forms over the years. The traumas of losing the people I loved first come to mind. My sister Erin, my mom, my grandparents, my dad, especially my sister Erin's sudden death at six, and then a month to the day later, losing my grandfather and my mother's death were particularly traumatizing for me. I've also lost several really good friends to suicide. I remember especially one of my very dear friends. He had come to my house. We were hanging out. He seemed fine. We made plans to go out for that evening. And, you know, we set up a time to meet, and he left. So the details are kind of sketchy, but after he left my house, he ended up in a neighborhood close to mine. Again, no exact details, but he got into some trouble and was arrested. We lived in a small rural Ohio community, so he was taken to jail at the local police department. Somehow, after being there for a couple of hours, he hung himself with his T-shirt. He was discovered and taken to the hospital. His mother called me and told me what had happened. And he lingered for two long weeks in the hospital before he finally died. I remember being so angry at him. It is viewing, and it was an open casket viewing. I knelt next to the casket and in my head, I was talking to him telling him how pissed at him I was. How could he have done that? I was pissed at myself too. What did I miss? What didn't I see? I replayed his visit to my house, our talk, and making our plans for that evening over and over again in my mind, and nothing I could think of gave me a clue. Death and losing somebody in that manner is an awful, awful feeling. And the parents of the friends of mine that I lost to suicide were also very angry and didn't understand. And so that kind of grief can also take many different forms. So beyond the loss of people in my life, as I got older, I began to suffer the effects of grieving from other things, other losses I'd experienced. The loss of stability in my childhood, the frequent moves, always feeling scared to death, the loss or absence of feeling safe in my life, not being able to trust that the adults in my life were capable of taking care of me and keeping me safe. I grieved the loss of my childhood. I had to grow up really early and be the adult. I grieved the loss of my teen years. And all of my grief, hurt, and anger spilled out in the form of self-destructive behaviors. 
I grieved my lack of understanding about abusive relationships and that I'd gotten into one. Over the years, I lost jobs that I loved, lost homes at one point being homeless. I also had my home broken into one time and had lots of important things stolen. So again, I lost that sense of safety, even in my own home. I grieved for the lack of a good, healthy relationship with my father. I grieved other things, too. I would grieve over the mass beaching of whales, and I grieved with everyone else on 9-11. So those are other things that we can grieve. Another big one was grieving the loss of connection to myself. I had always been such a deeply feeling person. I cried at the drop of a hat, even when I was happy. And when I laughed, I really laughed. For so many years, however, I lost my emotions and feelings. I was numb, disconnected, even disconnected at times from reality. I wasn't connected to what was going on around me. I was going through the motions of living. But I wasn't really alive in the sense that I didn't feel, didn't experience or connect to what was going on around me. Somehow my brain and body in survival mode shut everything off and buried it deep. It's really only been in the last year or so that this has begun slowly changing. If I even feel tears come to my eyes, I'm so grateful. Yes, I missed crying too. I also miss my idea of sanity or what that might be for other people. I'm grateful that I've held on to what few marbles I have left and that my brain works at all. The experts say there are five main stages of grief. The first one is denial. I can't believe this is happening to me. The next is anger. Why is this happening? Who's to blame? Who can I blame? Then there's bargaining. Please, if you make this not true, I swear I will fill in the blank. Depression. I'm too sad to do anything. And finally, acceptance. I've made peace with it. However, many people will not experience some or any of these things. You also don't have to follow all of these or, again, any of them as a way to grieve correctly. There is no right way to process loss. I've jumped around these patterns myself, particularly the bargaining aspect. I don't know how many times over the years I would play this game with God. When I was a kid, it was, okay, God, if you don't let this happen, I promise I'll be good. I will be so good. You'll see. God didn't listen. When my sister, and then a month to the day later, my grandfather died, I fell to my knees and my soul broke into a million little pieces everywhere. I broke with God that day as well. I'm building a relationship now based on the universe and getting back what you put out there. But occasionally a conversation with God still happens. There is no timeline, no amount of time it should take 
to get over loss. And don't let anybody ever tell you that happened a long time ago. You should be over it by now. Grief doesn't work that way. I think of loss as something that you don't necessarily really get over, but it's something you learn to live with. Especially when we lose people we love, we don't ever stop missing them. But maybe over time, when we think of them, instead of tears, we remember something funny they said or did. Or if they come up in conversation, we can share a happy story, something good we remember. But we'll still have moments of longing, wishing, hoping, bargaining. Losses leave little nicks on our hearts, little scars on our souls. But they don't have to become our souls, don't have to replace our hearts. Even in our hurt, we can keep our hearts from becoming hard and shut off. Even with all of the progress I've made in my personal journey, I still have feelings of unresolved grief. I miss lots of people, things, situations, and lost opportunities. I spent so many years avoiding grief and feeling anything that it sometimes comes bubbling up to the surface in the oddest of places at the strangest of times. My mission now is to stop my lifelong habit of refusing to deal with it and stuff it back down, lock it up. I acknowledge it now and I think about it in the context of where I am now as a person. When little inner child Carrie tries to react by hiding and running away, adult trauma-informed Carrie takes her hand, sits down with her, comforts her, and tells her that she is safe and it's okay to face and feel what's coming up for her. And as I'm writing this, I feel a small bit of tears in my eyes, so I know this image is a good and healing one for me to have and hold on to. My inner child still has a lot of processing and healing to do, and that's okay. And I think it'll always be a work in progress. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to wake up and feel fantastic and wonderful, but if I do, I'm going to celebrate the hell out of it. The same goes for you. Whatever it is you're grieving, whatever sense of loss you feel, no matter who, what, where, when or why. It's okay, really. You can take all the time in the world and go through it in your own way, in your own time. Life is a series of things, people, places, times, and events that happen to each of us. Some things we have control over, but many we don't. We only have control over ourselves, what we say and do, and how we react and respond. One of the things that is so scary about loss is our lack of control over it. That's where things like bargaining come into play. We want to and feel the need to take some control, make sense of the loss, especially death. That's the ultimate loss. Once someone is gone, they're gone. As organic beings, we have a shelf life. That's just the fact. At some point, all of us hit that expiration date and we are no more. 
I know that as I've gotten older, and especially with turning 60 this year, I've thought a lot about my own expiration date. As I've pulled myself slowly and excruciatingly out of that vast darkness that I lived in for so long, I've really been working to savor moments more, enjoy conversations more, creating new connections and connecting to people, places, and events in a more rich and meaningful way. I really began to think about what I wanted out of the rest of my life, however long or short that might be. I appreciate the time I spend with those I love more now. It's mindfulness. Being mindful of how precious our time and energy is and directing it in ways that enrich my life. And hopefully I do that in return for others. Memories can be precious and yes, they can be scary too. But no matter what's happened to us, we can begin to choose to make new memories, build new thought processes, look at things and experiences in ways that aren't scary, that we're not afraid of. Sitting in small moments of gratitude, being grateful for waking up, grateful for what we do have rather than what we don't. Does it work that way every day for me? Oh, no. Nope. When I wake up, my brain does what it always has. It spirals out into everything I have to do and get accomplished for that day. It's overwhelming. And my first thought is, Oh, I have to get up and face another day. However, I now stop this kind of thought. And I think instead about music or something I'd like to listen to. Music was so important to me growing up. It's one of the things that saved my life. But because of that shutting off and not feeling and shutting down, I actually stopped listening to any music at all. For years. So bringing music back into my life has been a hugely healing experience for me. So now when I wake up, I think of music, something I like, a genre I like, and I'll play it on my phone. And I lay back and I listen. If it brings something up, I'll acknowledge it, but I make room for the pleasant memories this music can bring up too. I slow down my thinking and try to be in the moment, not ahead, not behind, but in the now. The mantra, be here now, has special importance for me. This moment, this redirecting of my thoughts, just this has helped me in so many ways I can't even tell you. You can start here too if you choose to or not. It's up to you. It's all about choice. So listen to that again. It's all about choice. You can start today, tomorrow, next week, or never. But it is your choice to make. Sorry for the old lady ramble. I knew this topic would take me there and I just let it. But I guess the most important point is that life is meant to be lived. So live it. Be the thing. Eat the food. Take the trips. Write. Create. Be silly. 
play, explore, read, learn, experience, go, seek, and ask questions. Write your own story. Live your own truth. Do what you're scared to do and live as bravely as you dare. Choices all. What will you choose today? So this is where I like to close us out with a new exercise that we can add to our mindfulness toolbox that we're building together. Remember, you don't have to do this now or at all if you don't want to, but you might just listen and tuck it away in your mind for future reference. This is a writing exercise designed to help you name and identify losses of any kind you might be experiencing. We'll identify strengths you have and find new ways to reframe, process, and heal from loss. I invite you to get a piece of paper, a notebook, sticky notes, whatever you would like to use, and something to write with. I would like to invite you to find a quiet, peaceful, and calm place in order to feel more fully present during this exercise. If you'd like, you could listen to something calming, some calming music that you like. Light candles, use your favorite essential oils or fragrance, whatever you feel is helpful and supportive for you. We always start with our mindful belly breathing. Breathe slowly in through your nose, your belly naturally pushing out as you inhale to a count of five. Hold your breath for a count of one. Then slowly exhale out of your mouth. Your belly should naturally move in as you exhale to a count of five. Do this five times. As we've discussed, grief and loss can take many different forms, and we can grieve many different things in our lives. So on your paper, write out your loss what it is, or who it is you're missing. It could be one thing, or it could be many things. It's up to you. Next, write out any associated losses. So what I mean by that is these are unanticipated losses related to your primary loss. For example, if you've lost a job, Associated losses might be your loss of financial stability, loss of friendships and connections, a loss of routine. If it's a person or a pet, associated losses could look like the absence of their being, loss of connection, and so on. Next, looking at what you've written, ask yourself, and write out these questions. What did I love about what or who I lost? What do I miss about what or who I lost? How will my life change as a result of this loss? Next, 
explore what is different about you now because of this loss. Things and what you feel that are important to you may be different now. Life might be different for you now. Ask yourself and write out these questions. Who am I now? What's different now? What am I holding on to that no longer serves me after my loss? Next, I'd like you to imagine your future self. Healing from loss is a process, and again, it will take as long as it takes. Ask yourself and write out these questions. What is one thing I can do to move forward from my loss? What have I learned about myself through experiencing this loss? What are some strengths I have used in order to keep going, keep functioning as best I could while experiencing this loss? Who do I see myself becoming after moving through the experience of this loss? Next, I would like to invite you to think about something you might be grateful for as it relates to this loss. For example, thinking about the loss of a loved one, you can be grateful for the fact that you had them in your life, grateful for what they brought to you, taught you, grateful for the times and experiences you had with them. If your loss is a situation such as a job, another change, or life event, you might be grateful for what you learned and experienced during that time and how you may be able to apply this knowledge to a new situation. Write out what you are grateful for, what you learned about yourself, and how you can use this gratitude as a way to help reframe your thoughts going forward. Finally, I would like to invite you to try daily to write out one to three things that you are grateful for. Identifying and naming what we are grateful for is a powerful way to retrain our brains and pull them out of those well-worn trauma survival patterns. I find that this works best for me first thing in the morning after listening to my music, stretching out my muscles, and getting my coffee. It can be absolutely anything you choose. Nothing is silly or unimportant. Whether it's being grateful for waking up, being able to brush your teeth, or watering your plants, name it and claim it. Even something as awful as grief and loss can teach us things about ourselves. When death or loss happens, in spite of our grief, shock, and pain, we still go through our daily lives in whatever way that looks like for us. That takes incredible strength and courage. We do our best, and that best will look different every day, and that's okay. If our best one day is 2%, then that's our best, 
and that is absolutely fine. I hope this exercise was something you found helpful. And again, we're just adding more tools to our toolbox. So whenever you need to go to that toolbox and pull out a grounding technique, coping skill, anything we've learned, do it. You've created it. It's there for you to use. I've created a list of all the techniques and added them to my website, Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma, and I'll keep adding to it as we go along. And I also put each exercise to beautiful music and video on my YouTube channel, Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. So please like, subscribe, and share widely if you like what you see and hear. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And please, wherever you listen, keep on listening. Also, please like, subscribe, favorite, follow me, and share widely. And what you think really matters to me too. So comment on the show. Let me know what you think, topics you'd like me to cover, whatever's on your mind. You can find me on Facebook at Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma, on Twitter at Carrie Walker 58 and my website, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com. Look for my new episodes dropping every Monday on all of your favorite podcast, music, and listening apps. Please take extra good care of yourself. And we'll talk soon.